You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to GI Insights, where we cover the latest clinical issues, trends, and technologies in gastroenterological practice. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute and sponsored by Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. Your host for GI Insights is Professor of Medicine and Director of the Digestive Disease Center at the Medical University of South Carolina, Dr. Mark DeLaghi. Gastroenterologists have relied on endoscopy for decades for the diagnosis of GI disorders. But patient safety is still a significant concern with the procedure. Joining us to discuss accreditation in patient safety in endoscopy is Dr. Lawrence Kim, a gastroenterologist practicing in Colorado at South Denver Gastroenterology and governing council member of the American Gastroenterological Association. Welcome, Larry. Hi, Mark. Thank you very much for having me. Larry, I have to ask, as a gastroenterologist, I perceive the endoscopic procedure, by and large, being pretty safe and major adverse events are quite rare. Given this, why is patient safety such an issue in gastrointestinal endoscopy? Well, I have to agree with you, Mark, that endoscopy really is extremely safe, at least when it is performed by qualified gastroenterologists. Instead, I think this is mainly a question of public perception. As you know, public concern about patient safety has increased dramatically since the report from the Institute of Medicine in 1999. This report made a fairly dramatic comparison of the number of deaths due to inpatient errors to the crashing of a commercial airliner each and every day. And although this report focused only on hospital errors, this comparison, I think, clearly inflamed public opinion on the issue of patient safety. Public attitudes also tend to be shaped by highly publicized individual events, such as the recent Nevada case in which patients undergoing colonoscopy were apparently infected with hepatitis C because of unsafe sedation practices. And although extremely isolated, such events lead to safety concerns, which then have important public health ramifications, you know, such as willingness to undergo screening for colorectal cancer. I think there's also an important competitive issue at stake here, given that a significant proportion of endoscopy in the U.S. is performed actually by non-gastroenterologists. I think it really behooves us as a profession to push for the highest standards for quality in endoscopy. Larry, I've seen that a number of procedures that I did as a gastroenterologist in my training and then in my practice in the hospital have now been pushed out to an endoscopy center or perhaps also called an ambulatory center. Should some of the procedures that we do still be done at the hospital? Should they all be done at these ambulatory centers? I think it really depends upon what kinds of infrastructure and personnel are available. From a strictly patient safety standpoint, really any endoscopic procedure can be performed safely in an ASC setting, provided that the proper procedures are in place. Some procedures, however, such as ERCP would be the most obvious one coming to mind, such procedures are associated with a higher risk of complications as well as higher capital infrastructure requirements and supply costs. And I think it's primarily for these reasons that those procedures are usually done in the hospital setting. Do you think patients today perceive the hospital being safer than the, we'll say, endoscopy center or ASC, or do you think they don't have an opinion? I think that patients utilize ASC settings for several reasons, primarily being convenience and lower cost. I don't think that in a properly run ASC with 
good quality procedures and processes, policies in place, that safety is a major concern or should be a major concern to patients. One of the really tragic things that can happen or the one that gets my nerves on edge is when you're sedating somebody for endoscopy and we'll say you lose the airway, meaning they're having some difficulty breathing and you're trying to do rescue. And some people will say that, you know, in a hospital setting, boy, you're surrounded by a bunch of very trained personnel and can handle this. And if this happened in a ASC or an endoscopy center, perhaps you wouldn't have that sort of personnel around. Do you have any concerns about uh, losing airways and sedation in these ASCs as a part of safety? I think it's fair to say that all endoscopists who are administering sedative agents really need to be prepared to manage the patient's airway and to provide ventilation support during an emergency. As we know, this happens extremely rarely. But an assessment of airway risk prior to administering sedation, such as the Malampati classification or others that are widely available and widely used, are definitely recommended and part of our procedures. The routine use of an anesthesiologist for endoscopy has clearly been shown, at least in my opinion, to be unnecessary from a medical standpoint and arguably a pretty poor use of limited healthcare resources. However, I will say that high-risk patients clearly should be referred for anesthesia consultation prior to undergoing their procedure. Larry, if I'm in my practice and I'm seeing somebody in the office that is very obese and has a bull-like neck and I'm worried about airway during the procedure, meaning the fact that I'll lose an airway or they'll stop breathing, is that the type of patient I should be doing in a hospitalized setting? It's a very individualized decision, Mark. I think it has to do with your physical examination and the assessment of how difficult it would be to provide emergency ventilatory support if you were to run to problems during a procedure. Obviously, comorbidities, the patient's body habitus, all play a role in making that assessment objectively. I think if there is any concern that you cannot safely manage that patient's airway in the outpatient setting, in the ASC setting, clearly that patient should be referred for anesthesia consultation. Larry, I know that from the perspective of a hospital or hospital-based endoscopy suite, there are some very specific accreditation rules that we all have to play by through JCO, for better or worse. What role does accreditation of endoscopy centers play in ensuring patient safety? Well, in contrast to the inpatient arena, there are three primary accreditors that work in the outpatient ASC environment. And I'll just go through some of the differences between the three organizations. The largest accreditor of ambulatory health facilities is Triple H, the Association for Accreditation of Ambulatory Healthcare. Triple HC probably accredits the lion's share of endoscopy centers in this country at this time. And this organization does have deemed status by CMS, so that in many states, HHC accreditation can stand in place of a separate Medicare survey. The philosophy at HHC is that the accreditation process should be educational and consultative. That is, that there is a process of continuous improvement in quality and patient safety. The accreditation surveyors for HHC are volunteers who have had intimate experience in the outpatient 
delivery setting. And I think it's for these reasons that AAAC is usually viewed or is fairly widely viewed as the most, quote-unquote, user-friendly accreditor. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to GI Insights on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark DeLegge, and joining me to discuss accreditation and patient safety in endoscopy is Dr. Lawrence Kim, a gastroenterologist practicing on Colorado at South Denver Gastroenterology and governing council member of the AGA. Larry, you were telling us about a couple of the accreditation societies that are available. Why don't you go ahead and elaborate on that? Okay. So we were just touching on sort of the three major outpatient accreditors. And the first, as I said, was AAAC, or the Accreditation Association for Ambulatory Healthcare, which is the largest accreditor. The oldest accreditor, as we know, is the Joint Commission, formerly known as JCO. And JCO clearly dominates the inpatient arena and more recently has expanded to outpatient facilities. Although, in fact, the actual accreditation standards are quite similar to those of AAAC, JCO surveyors are a professional cadre, and the application of the standards by the surveyors is viewed often as overly prescriptive and bureaucratic. And so there is sort of a somewhat negative perception of JCO in the ASC environment as a result of this. Although, in fact, as I said, the accreditation standards themselves are largely quite the same. The third organization is much smaller, and this is the American Association for Accreditation of Ambulatory Surgery Facilities, otherwise known as Quad ASF. This accreditor was created by the plastic surgery community, and such facilities really, at this point, make up the bulk of its own accredited organizations. Quad ASF, like JCO and AAAC, also has Medicare-deemed status. But thus far, I think it's fair to say that it's played a very small role in accreditation of standalone endoscopy centers. What sort of documentation should my endoscopy center have available to make the accreditation process easier? Well, AAAC and I think all of the accreditors publish a fair amount of literature. AAAC has an actual accreditation handbook and conducts numerous seminars to educate organizations about the sort of the details of the process to become accredited. But basically, the organization should have complete policies and procedures, really, which ideally address each of the published accreditation standards. Now, AGA recently has published a template, which I think can serve as a very useful starting point for creating or fine-tuning your own policies and procedures to match what the accreditors are looking for. In addition, as we mentioned, quality improvement is really an increasingly important focus for accreditors. And so the organization should expect accreditation surveyors to look very closely at this area. And what they're looking for is that the organization buys into the process of looking at their own quality measures and that they commit to perform a minimum number of surveys of quality improvement studies annually. I would like to thank my guests from South Denver Gastroenterology, Dr. Lawrence Kim. Dr. Kim, thank you very much for being our guest this week on GI Insights. Mark, it was a true pleasure. Thank you very much. You have been listening to GI Insights on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute and sponsored by Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. 
For additional information on this program and on-demand podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com and use promo code AGA. Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America is proud to sponsor this important and quality programming for ReachMD listeners. Takeda does not control the editorial content of this broadcast. The views expressed are solely those of the guests who are selected by the AGA Institute. Based in Deerfield, Illinois, Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America is a wholly owned subsidiary of Takeda Pharmaceutical Company Limited, the largest pharmaceutical company in Japan. In the United States, Takeda markets products for diabetes, insomnia, wakefulness, and gastroenterology, and is developing products in the areas of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and other conditions. Takeda is committed to striving toward better health for individuals and progress in medicine by developing superior pharmaceutical products. To learn more about the company and its products, visit www.tpna.com.